Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show dedicated to exploring everything weird, unexplained, and fringe in the world. Today on the show, we have a listener request once again by The Armed Trotsky, which is a compilation of lore surrounding the Greys. Originally, I was asked to do a history of the Grey aliens throughout the UFO phenomenon throughout the years, but I realized pretty quick while researching that that was not going to work. So I turned it into just a basic lore overview of the Greys. All the books that I used for my research will be in the show notes. I used a lot of just internet searches as well, and if I remember what I used or write bookmarked them, they'll be in the show notes too. So let's get into the lore surrounding the Grey Aliens and the UFO phenomenon. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. Out of all the alleged aliens from ufology, the greys are probably the most well-known. Also called Zetas, Zeta Reticulans, Little Grey Men, or the more old-school Roswell greys. And there have been many, many conspiracy theories surrounding these alleged aliens, such as this ET race and the American government working together to push plausible deniability and disinformation campaigns, or that the greys are like the results of government mind control experiments like mk ultra they've been linked to the new world order and the military industrial complex so let's just say that there's a lot to go over concerning the greys this episode really isn't about gray alien conspiracy theories though so i'm just gonna briefly summarize a couple like back in 1995 ray stantilly a filmmaker said that he possessed footage of aliens from the Roswell incident of 1947 that depicted the dissection of greys they recovered from the crash site, these aliens dying before the Air Force could get there. Although one allegedly lived, another survived briefly and then died later, but he said that he had the footage when they dissected these aliens. He later said it was a reconstruction, but a portion of the footage was legit. Some say that the Greys only came to our world after an interdimensional gate was opened after the notorious Philadelphia experiment, and that they originate from another dimension entirely. Then there's the conspiracy that the Greys signed a treaty with President Eisenhower back in 1954, and in exchange for technology, the aliens could abduct as many Americans as they wanted, and the government would cover for them. And it is these abductions that have burned so long in the imagination of millions of Americans. Abduction accounts are described as traumatic to the extreme, on par with any level of trauma you can think of, and causes PTSD as well as lifelong emotional issues and mental illness. But unlike other trauma in our society, 
this distress is only made worse by persecution by skeptics, and most suffer in silence and alone. Out of all of the alleged alien abductions across the planet, the Greys are probably the most documented to be encountered by contactees. Concerning the statistics of Grey encounters across the West, Greys make up 50% in Australia, 73% in the United States, and 48% in continental Europe and the United Kingdom. These reports include two distinct groups of Greys, Short Greys and Tall Greys. The Greys are absolutely the most statistically encountered aliens in America, but the, they're iconic across the board in the UFO phenomenon, and their appearance is pretty much the archetype of the image that comes to mind when people think of extraterrestrials. A light bulb-shaped head, giant black oval bug eyes, small slit-like mouth, no ears, no nose, pear-shaped body with elongated, bony, fragile limbs, and extended long fingers. Their skin is a smooth gray, though comes in a variety of shades of gray all the way up to white, like a whitish gray, and they have like a dolphin-like skin. These are the aliens that people are most enamored with in pop culture, and they have a variety of abilities that border on the supernatural. But like Spin said, pretty much all technology that is beyond our comprehension is interchangeable with magic. They are telepathic and pretty much are universally said to have a collective hive mind connection to one another, and they have powerful mind control type abilities, which may even manifest as full-blown hallucinations, rendering the appearance of the, the place the greys are, or even their own appearance, to whatever they want the viewer to see. These aliens can become invisible, move through walls, levitate at extreme speeds, and hypnotize a human with a single glance. But just when did the Greys really become a thing in the collective imagination? Many interested in the UFO phenomenon say that it's the 1940s, and it, indeed there is a pretty, pretty dramatic increase in sightings back then that exploded in the 40s concerning the Greys, with many attributing this increase in sightings to the notorious military conspiracy theory called the Philadelphia Experiment that I've already talked about ad nauseum, but I'm sure you get what I'm saying. I'm sure that you've also heard of the Roswell Incident listener, so I don't need to go into detail concerning that. Hundreds upon hundreds of books have been written on the topic, with the content ranging from fascinating to ridiculous. But the 1946 government cover-up has become a legend in its own right, and allegedly on that day, not only did we come into ownership of some pretty sweet alien tech, but captured some greys. And this is probably the most well-known story concerning this ET race, at least in the mainstream herd. However, encounters with greys actually go back far further. The book Meta, A Tale of the Future King by Kenneth Felingsby describes grey aliens in the same manner as we think of them today. And this book was written over a hundred years ago in 1891. In the late 19th century, people were already reporting UFO sightings and encounters with beings not of this world. Europeans and Americans were hopeful for the 20th century, and their imaginations were constantly swimming in possibilities of the future. In the late 1800s, one of the main things in one of the main things like in pop culture kind of back then was they wondered what humans would look like like in millions of years at least according to evolution. 
Many thought that humanity may look something like the gray alien look, and this idea was pretty widespread too. This inspired the legendary writer H.G. Wells to write of a book unwritten, The Man of the Year Million. And shortly after he wrote this story, it was ripped off. Back then, copyright laws were not nearly as enforced as today, and it was uh, not too hard to just steal somebody else's stuff and like print it in your own newspaper or whatever. So the story was ripped off by countless papers of the time and widespread across America and Europe. This is the event that solidified the image of a being analogous to the greys being injected into the collective consciousness. But it was only the beginning of humanity's story concerning high strangeness and the greys. A version of the archetype was also made prominent in 1933 when the Swedish novelist Gustav Sangren wrote a book called The Unknown Danger, in which he describes extraterrestrials wearing clothes of soft gray fabric and were short with big bald heads and large, dark, gleaming eyes. The science fiction book was written for young readers and was complete with illustrations of these aliens. The aliens of the book are pretty much on par with gray alien lore today, and the book was far more popular than intended and reached a wide audience, not just kids or young adults, I mean. Don't get me wrong though, I'm not trying to say that the greys are just the evolution of society's views on the evolution of humans millions of years in the future, or like science fiction success, or, you know, just coming out of fiction in general, because there's also a lot of ancient art that has weird gray-like aliens depicted in their art that's all the way in like uh, Mesoamerica, the Near East, you name it. I'm just saying that it was firmly set in America's subconscious that would then be passed from one generation to the next, which is a tradition as old as humankind itself. But it's this point in history, the early 20th century, late 18th century, where this prominence of the archetype for the greys come into, comes into play, at least in the mainstream. Not mainstream, but you know. And whenever Homo sapiens sapiens come across something they don't understand, that is, other, quote unquote, we instantly have an uncontrollable urge to categorize and label it. I am pretty sure this is as a, um, like a coping mechanism for comfort and gives the delusion of control. Much UFO lore is the result of this instinct, but just because humanity always labels what it doesn't understand doesn't mean there isn't something there. Otherwise, it wouldn't need to be labeled and categorized in the first place. Since prehistory, Sumeria, Egypt, Mayans, Hopi Indians, Greeks, Hebrews, and the entire ancient world, there have been teachings of encounters with the other that could absolutely be analogous to interactions with aliens. You could say it's the greatest and oldest human tradition. There are even cave paintings depicting saucer-like imagery which could be translated as a UFO. And I know I've referenced John Keel many times in past shows, but never really gotten into the nitty-gritty concerning Keel and his research. He, among other UFO researchers of the past, think that how these so-called aliens are viewed is not necessarily what they truly are. And there's literally dozens upon dozens of ways to look at the greys, each with their own contradictions and narratives. Now, I'm also not trying to say that ufologists accounts or research are wrong or people's accounts are wrong 
or this is true or that is true this is false that is false but that my mostly neutral style of rhetoric leaves the doors open to all possibilities without getting stuck down narrow reality tunnels however all in all the beginning of the gray's story took place in the 1890s and peaks in the 40s to the point their lore became basic public knowledge let's go over some similarities that they have to humans one of the first things the greys have made deep thinkers contemplate is not what they are but what we are as i already said a vision of the greys was already around in the human imagination as to how humanity could possibly evolve in millions of years and the greys do have similarities with us though completely alien at the same time yet according to our current understanding which is always changing Living in space for an extended amount of time and not being engulfed in light from the sun as we always are on Earth indeed would have some interesting influences on evolutionary biology. For one, our eyes would grow wide and black just like the greys. Not existing on a terrestrial planet would also tell our biology that we don't need hair. And living in space would also cause many attributes required to thrive in nature to vanish as well. And with all other variables like lower gravity and, you know, just stuff like that or whatever, our limbs would lose muscle, atrophy, and our skin would also lose all the attributes necessary in space life. This would most likely mean that skin tones would go away, at least as we know them. It would take millions of years, of course, but humanity would very much hypothetically appear like greys if the variables were right. And this is, to me at least... In my opinion, this is one of the most interesting theories of the Greys, that they're just humans from the future coming back through time. Moreover, despite the similarities we have with Greys, there are far more differences. One example is how Greys have one type of body, whereas humans are fat, thin, husky, fit, lanky, etc. We come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes where they seem to have only one type. But then again, this is just the normal greys, because there are a ton of different types with a new narrative behind them depending on who's telling the tale. In the book, Identified Flying Objects, Dr. Michael Masters uses his knowledge in evolutionary biology and anthropological biology to conclude that the greys evolving into their current form, as described in Close Encounters, is highly unlikely unless they originated either on Earth or on an Earth-like planet. Most people don't realize just how unique life is on an individual basis. And just because humans slowly became what we are today, doesn't mean that everything out there is. Aliens are most likely so different than us, it would be hard to even realize what they are in the first place. I mean, we're talking stuff like sentient light, or gas entities, or aliens that mostly live in like a mental headspace, and there's even people that say that mushrooms and psychedelics are aliens. So it gets pretty cerebral. It's more than likely for aliens to be things that are neurology, may not even be able to create a mental picture in the brain because it's so other, and would most likely just slap stuff on top of it to cover for it. I mean, if you, you should really read the book Subliminal on neuroscience because it describes a pretty insane process that your brain goes through to display images for you and they're not always accurate 
especially if you've never encountered them before, even if it's on like movies or literature, thinking about it. Um, your brain can't always make an image of what you actually see, and human sense organs are extremely limited. It puts together what it can and creates that hallucination in your mind that you think you're looking at, that you think you're seeing, but that's really just your brain assembling pieces together in a way that it can understand. Anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent in neuro about neuroscience, but it is really fascinating stuff and somewhat explains why, uh, like, when people see apparitions or aliens or whatever, they see something that they can't understand and isn't normal. If there's more than one person that are, is seeing it, they'll oftentimes give different descriptions, which people have used to discredit them. However, according to science, this is normal if it's something that that person doesn't have anything to put it in context. Anyway, back on topic. Suppose the there's truth to the greys, and there are aliens that have humanoid forms like the greys. It's hypothetically likely that there is some shared ancestry, or something temporal going on, crossing dimensions or time, or something, something like that. I really do like Dr. Master's book and highly recommend it, but researchers speculate this is because many spend their entire lives in space or conducting their duties in a variety of environments, and that this humanoid form is like perfect for that kind of stuff. Natural selection always adapts the physiology of biological species to adapt to their environment, after all. So the two main ideas is it's either highly unlikely and there's some connection that we have to greys that we just don't know about, or the humanoid form that greys and humans both have in common is just something that nature will give to any species that develops in a way that they interact with the universe the same way that we do. And concerning the greys, there are also allegedly different factions with their own histories, with some emphasizing technology to the detriment of all other qualities, while others, like, uh, integrate their technology as a whole completely and are more AI, and then even some just staying more balanced and others just being normal aliens who can feel, think, have compassion, all in a pretty much biological way similar to us. So there is a little variety of grey aliens in more ways than one. For example, the tall greys. The tall greys are different from the normal greys because abductees claim they can just tell if they are male or female. The tall grey encounters cultivate the idea in many ufologists that the smaller greys are just some sort of automaton or artificial worker being. The variations of descriptions of greys are myriad and lead some to wonder if their appearance in general is some kind of trick they impose in the minds of contactees. In some cases, the tall greys are described as being aligned with reptilians. However, the most interesting thing for me concerning the tall greys is that when you think about the normal greys, there's no sexes of them. They don't even have junk or anything on them. They're just unisex and amorphous. Whereas the tails of the tall greys, they absolutely are male or female, which is unique in grey alien lore. And then there's the slave race, greys. These greys were unfortunate enough to be conquered and genetically experimented upon enough to the point that they are a shadow of their former selves and used in mass among many ET races as menials and slave labor. 
Then there's the Zeta Reticulans. Zetas are what the slave race greys would be if they were never messed with. Unlike the slave race greys, they are able to reproduce on their own as hermaphrodites and are not overtly malevolent or disregarding of other species' free will like the greys. Keep in mind though, humans are more like how we would look at our dogs or cats than as equals to the Zeta Reticulans. Then there are the Ancients. These are the version that I really like and find interesting, and I'm going to elaborate more on them in a bit. But that's pretty much the different versions of greys. There are actually more if you would like to look into it, but that's much my little summary. To which, don't worry, we'll go into more detail. When I come back from the break, we're going to get into the consistent theme of damaged DNA in grey alien lore. You're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. <laughs> If you're interested in making your own podcast, just go to Blueberry.com or by going to CrypticChronicles.com, click on the sponsor link on the homepage. By going through Cryptic Chronicles, you will not only be helping to support the show, but you'll also have the best podcasting host on the market. There's no contracts. And you can cancel any time. You'll have free 24-hour tech support. Syndication with your own RSS feed. As well as a plethora of other goodies that only professional podcasters use. There's no third-party sites to log into. Never leave your own website. You remain in control. All you have to do is produce your podcast write your blog post, and then publish with 29,000 plugins to pick from. By going through Cryptic Chronicles, you'll have one month free of the best podcast statistics, as well as one month free of the best podcast hosting. So go through our sponsor, Blueberry, today. And if you can, visit Loch Ness, because I am very hungry.
Your happiest spring starts with Lowe's, and it all starts with a beautiful green lawn. Get it growing with Scott's Triple Action Lawn Fertilizer starting at $29.98, and keep it clean with the Craftsman 20-volt mower with free blower for only $2.99. That's a big value for a beautiful entrance. Create a season full of happiness. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Selection varies by location. While supplies last, about 310 for 316. U.S. only. Scott's offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hey, Gary, how are things? Things are great, but I crushed my mortgage payment with owning without even leaving my couch. I got a no-closing-cost refi at a great low rate, and owning did it all in less than three weeks. It was easy. No muss, no fuss. Be like Gary. Call Owning at 855-5-OWNING and crush your mortgage payment with today's 15-year fixed refi at 1.99% rate and APR with no closing costs. None. Zero. Even if you've refinanced recently, call 855-5-OWNING and let us crush your monthly payment even more. That's 855-5-OWNING or log on to owning.com. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, subject to credit approval. Call 833-852-6464 for terms and conditions. You can crush it, too, with a 15-year fixed 1.99% rate in APR with absolutely no closing cost. One of the main narratives of the reason that the Greys abduct people in the first place is uh, is that their DNA has been damaged over time, either from cloning or a variety of other reasons, and they have a bleak future because they've lost the ability to procreate or things, things of that nature. I said that the Greys definitely could appear how they do based off of uh, natural selection influencing them in a like, lifelong existence in space and greys pretty much very rarely have any accounts of having reproductive organs at least visually on the exterior body this consistent theme of their messed up dna means that they have to abduct and experiment on humans to temporarily repair their dna or to continue scientific research on how to fix their dna utilizing humanity's untainted and stable samples and according to researchers, this issue that they have with their DNA is leading their race to become a dying race, and the greys are getting more and more desperate. There's also the possibility that we are meant to have this purpose. We're kind of like a farm, or possibly a zoo. We are a bunch of lab rats, or pets, or cows, and the vets are just checking in on us. Our DNA is like milk or eggs that would be harvested by any farmer. According to one of the books I read by Nigel Kerner, in his book, Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls, the Greys have purposefully messed with human DNA. A couple years back, 300,000-year-old humans in our current form were discovered in caves in Morocco with some pretty decent tools. This discovery eviscerated the prior accepted mainstream historical view on how long we've been around. While Nigel Kerner didn't have the newer scientific knowledge, on humanity's age, I mean. This new discovery still goes along with his theories because he sets humanity at 200,000 years old, which was the prior accepted date. But according to his estimates, his view of things, we were we are actually far, far older than what he, his estimates were. And I mean, if you think about it, 300,000 years is insanely long. 
Our current global culture is only around 6,000 years old or so, according to the mainstream. But we, as we are evolutionarily through natural selection today, have existed for so long, we could already have had like five Atlantises come and go and leave no trace of existence. Nigel wonders in his book if we are purposely like put through genetic experimentation and manipulation, specifically for later harvests. The greys could keep us around as like a living medication or something that they might periodically need to fix their DNA issues, keeping us like as a medical property, in which that's why, like most other aliens, just stay away and avoid conflict with the greys by leaving us alone. <laughs> that's somewhat depressing, right? Well, don't worry, because it gets worse. In his book, Nigel says that the Greys are on a quest. A quest to capture human souls. Because they don't have souls. And they can master death by gaining souls since they themselves don't have them. Gonna be honest here, Nigel goes so off the rails, it's like... Pretty culty. But in Whitley Strieber's book, The Greys, that DNA damage issue becomes really fascinating. Because there's also a narrative that the Greys are beyond ancient and are one of the most successful species in the universe against the endless onslaught of entropy. In this version of the Greys, which is my favorite, the ancients have come to Earth for the necessity of their own survival and indeed to prey on humans to an extent. However, this is in a way more like how a farmer takes milk, not meat. Here's an awesome part of the book where the greys are pretty explained to a uh, pretty detailed degree. Quote, They're here because they're in trouble. They have one hell of a problem, genetic. Only in the past few years were we even able to understand it. But when you do a really good genetic study on them, you find all kinds of breaks, inserted genes, genes that must be from other species, artificial genes. Their genetic garbage can is what the greys are. They're not even truly alive anymore. The greys have replaced so much of themselves that they've become, in effect, biological machines. If you can believe this, the few original genes we have detected are at least a billion years old, or more, maybe much more. What we're looking at with the greys is a species so ancient that it has used up its gene pool as a species in their entirety. The greys are dying of old age. End quote. And it's every single member of the species that suffers from this genetic disease. The nucleus of their cells hardens until their genes break down from sheer age. Not age of the individual gray, age of the genes of the species as a whole. And from this genetic deterioration, they've had to make countless hard choices. The grays have prostheses for their brains, cloned bodies, and organs to the point that they've become mostly artificial. And you, and you may wonder like uh, how I wondered when I was researching, is that really such like a bad thing? Because they're pretty much immortal in the right conditions. If you think about where some people are trying to take humans into transhumanism in modern times, that's what the greys did is like pretty much success. But it 
turns out not to be the greatest thing ever to be immortal because, well, at least in their way, because the more artificial that they became slowly over time, the less and less alive they became. And that might sound kind of abstract, because what does alive mean? To the greys, the knowledge and intellect can transfer to the artificial brains, but not feelings, or nuance, or the subtle aspects of being that make all of us, us. Like a sense of humor, for example, or enjoyment, like I, I really love my dog, or the enjoyment of petting a dog, or enjoying looking at art, feeling love, compassion, inspiration, traits that define personality. That's all dead to the greys. They have no heart. They've lost their heart. And in this narrative, the ancient, the one version of the greys that's like the ancients, they know what they've lost and they'll do anything to get it back. They don't have life. They have the memory of life. They see humans and they see everything that they've lost in us. But that's not the only thing that they see in humans. They also see in humans salvation. On the brink of their utter deterioration, humanity showed to have everything they need to get back on track and to save themselves. And this is why they're here according to this narrative. In this version, like most, the greys are calculating, emotionless, and detached. However, unlike most accounts, the ancients are not evil. They're definitely not good, but they're not evil either. If anything, I don't know if neutral would work. I guess like some neutral, I guess. They have a hard time communicating and interacting with humans in kind of a way that is pretty funny. It's like how, how we talk to our animals, like dogs or cats. It's that level of a difference in intellect. And of course, being beings that don't understand benevolence and don't understand doing things that don't coherently like add to a, a, a desired result, the greys want something from us, our genes. However, they did offer something in return, so it's not just a one-way ticket. It was offered to world governments, specifically America, and it was an offer that couldn't be refused. It wouldn't be too much longer that the greys would die without pure youthful gene stock. And humanities is absolutely perfect for what they need in every way. Now, what these greys offer in return is nothing less than humanity's salvation from extinction. Which is interesting. Apparently, Earth was on the brink of a new extinction event. But not because of global warming or anything like that. Although we do not treat the planet with respect obviously, but not anything like that. It was a bigger picture global type thing that would have really screwed everyone. It was going to happen whether we were on the planet or not, and it's happened many times in our history. Not to the same extent, but a lot of our past civilizations have been wiped away because of such events, making humans have to start from scratch all over again. And this is within the the like 300,000 year history of Homo sapiens sapiens. I'm not talking about like the more esoteric Agartha, um, Atlantis, um, what's the other one? Lumeria type stuff. No, this is just, hey, we built this cool civilization and oh my gosh, there's a pole shift and everything's underwater now. Guess we should go in these caves. 
you know, that kind of stuff. But there's no need to get worried because this already happened. They already averted it. So, no doom and gloom. The Greys needed us to live, and we needed them to survive. Their technology was key to our survival, which they followed through on. Also, this version of the Greys states that they don't have too much of a problem giving us technology, just that they don't know how to do it. Which sounds confusing if you think about it. What could that mean? Just hand it over with instructions, right? Well, I don't know. Probably has something to do with either our undeveloped intellects compared to the Greys, or like a faction thing. Political, maybe. I mean, if they gave tech to one country, others might get upset. But they don't have, like, the, maybe the way to literally give everyone the tech. I don't know. It's pretty cryptic. I'm just brainstorming. But a lot of the tech since the 40s has allegedly come from the Greys. And while there are occasional deaths from Grey abductions, for the most part, people are returned. And if uh, a lot of this information is to be believed, most people abducted by Greys don't even remember being abducted thanks to the ET race having mind control-like abilities. But in their power to affect people's minds, it's not perfect. Otherwise, we wouldn't have abductee accounts. Okay, let's move on to some consistent themes throughout Grey Alien abductions, or just the lore behind them in general. While there are and will always be those that will say anything in a desperate attempt to make themselves feel special, those types are always easy to debunk and set aside, at least for anybody who knows what to look for. But the accounts from reliable sources are actually far more prominent than the cultists, crazies, and psychic vampire narcissists out there. One of the most fascinating aspects of grey abduction cases is the consistency between them about what went down. Literally millions have been abducted, with many being taken many times over. The details of abductee accounts have stayed remarkably similar over the decades of lore surrounding these events. These abductees also show no signs of mental or emotional illness and no history of like prior unstable psyche or otherwise untrustworthy history. They never really have any psychiatric issues or criminal backgrounds either. Many are just so embarrassed they don't even talk about it, especially if they are in a position of prominence, which many abductees actually are. However, most do have some sort of PTSD-like symptoms after the abduction, some sort of like mental health issues afterward. Depending though, this is not a topic that can be easily summed up or defined in any real way whatsoever. And there are always variables and exceptions to everything. There's also the consistency of physical changes of abductees that follow no evident psychodynamic pattern. Abductees have often come back with anomalous marks on the body or foreign material planted inside them. These are the implants that you might have heard before. And these implants are pretty consistent in the way that they're talked about in accounts throughout ufology, UFO, whatever. And even if they are removed from the abductee's body, they return later without showing any sign of any damage to the skin. Then there is, of course, the mad scientist-like experimentation on the abductees 
Experiments often revolve around sexual organs and semen and ova samples are taken, as well as the traditional probing being done and sometimes even sexual interaction with an alien or a hybrid themselves. Needles going into eyes, nasal cavities, and all over the body are also consistent themes in these experimentations done on abductees. And this is probably the most um, like horrifying and harrowing aspect of abductions that causes people PTSD. On top of all the other weird stuff too. There's also the consistency of UFOs being witnessed independently by others while the abductions are taking place. Many times the abductee themselves don't even see the UFO, but are made aware of it later by a witness or something. In fact, a lot of times they don't even rem like remember that they were abducted until somebody says something like, Oh, did you see the UFO? Or did you see the weird thing here or there? Did you, did you see this? Did you see that? And that like sparks something within the abductee to remember what happened to them. But the dreams do that too, because people who are abducted usually have consistent reoccurring bad dreams about the experience. And then there's this strange fascination that the greys seem to have with children. Even though that they need a lot of sexual stuff from the adults, they are also even more so in some ways focused on children. There are reports of children being abducted as young as two years old. However, the younger abductions, the abductee rarely states the abductors to visually fit in with the description of gray aliens. Instead, they're usually talked about as like shadow figures or like fantasy entities because the kids don't really, they, they don't really know enough about the world or anything to really define what they saw to an adult in a way that the adult can understand and is still accurate to the child's experience. Theorists have chalked this up to the mind control powers of the greys and how they can just basically put images inside the minds of others and show them what they want to see or appear how they want to be seen. But, but then again, there's also the, the, the possibility that the child's psyche is unable to process neurologically what uh, they're seeing, like I mentioned earlier, and instead their psyche, their brain, their mind, whatever, just kind of gives it a form to at least represent it in the conscious mind of the child. Another interesting theme is the synchronicity that happens with a lot of uh, gray-type encounters or everything going on surrounding it throughout somebody's life. Synchronicity is pretty much defined by... Carl Jung as something that's actually possible and happens in reality that's kind of not really explainable. And a lot of the synchronicity type stuff also surrounds the Mothman and other high strangeness and accounts of the paranormal. So it's nothing new. But abductees have claimed that there's been a lot of synchronous events surrounding before their abduction as well as after when the time might be coming close that they're going to have a new interaction with the aliens. Think about that what you will, I just had to include it, because I mean, come on. It's pretty freaky and weird. Another consistent theme of grey abductions is that they mostly appear in areas with the strongest electromagnetic fields, like power stations, military bases, or natural areas on the planet like the Bermuda Triangle, or intersecting natural ley lines in hot spots of energy in nature, like some people link to fairy folklore. 
but these electromagnetic fields are also disturbed by the presence of ETs because they usually cause widespread power failures or other electronic anomalies. The last of the themes is kind of an amalgamation like visions of UFOs, entities, magical flights, some kind of spirit contact or a messenger from the underworld. Specifically in modern times would be a like the men in black. There's a consistent theme of people interacting with these people or being approached by them before, but especially after abductions or just contact. But considering how the same type of thing happens in more spiritual oriented cultures all across the planet, it seems to be more like spiritually cultural, not necessarily spiritually, but just more cultural in how these entities represent themselves and appear. You're not going to see men in black in Thailand after being abducted after all. But men in black cases do stick to their association with grey aliens. Despite many people thinking that the men in black are just like an agent and they're, they're made up of human numbers and work for the deep state or the, you know, the secret rulers behind everything. A lot of ufologists even try to link this theme to Bible stuff, saying stuff like Enoch from the book of Enoch, which isn't even in the Bible, it's in one of the apocryphal texts, but they say that he was visited by two tall, strange-looking men who had secret knowledge and took him on a tour of heaven or space. So there's also this theme of weird people like men in black surrounding the whole situation before and after and seeing these people in the distance, hidden or in other cryptic and mysterious ways. Strange phone calls where nobody's on the other line, or just like a, a feeling of being watched. Anyway, when we get back from the break, we're gonna go over the lore origins of all the different factions of gray aliens. I'm gonna go get some black coffee, and I'll see you in a minute. Listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third party sites. 
Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. For most of all, thanks for listening. Hello, dear listener. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? A spiritual or esoteric experience? Have you ever seen a UFO or something that you could not explain? Have you ever witnessed anomalous activity that defies reality? Have you ever experienced unexplained mysteries of existence? If you have your own cryptic tale and would like to have it shared on the podcast, then call 1-800-757-6049 and leave a message of your experience. If it's what Cryptic Chronicles is all about, then it will be shared on the show. Just make sure you thought about what you will say ahead of time, and give a clear and concise account. Also make sure to leave your name, where you're from, or any information that will assist in making a clear picture to portray to listeners of Cryptic Chronicles. Once again, call 1-800-757-6049. That's 1-800-757-6049. We look forward to hearing from you. $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at Amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E dot Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now is the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan, at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. All right, on to the lore origins of these various versions of the Greys. And it goes without saying that there's going to be literally like dozens of versions of these. So I'm just going to chop that up and just go with like the the more widely accepted ones by researchers. I mean, is it possible that Greys were a humanoid alien species that for one reason or another were exiled to an entire existence living in space over eons? Because this is the version that well, at least their appearance, coincides with our scientific view of evolution and the biological adaptation to a life as a cosmic traveler. Perhaps their world was poisoned or destroyed in some way long before they developed the science to travel across the stars at a speed that wouldn't require generations of effort to make any progress. 
And though they can do so now, for millions of years they floated through the void as a type of interstellar hunter-gatherer culture. As a crude example, this is one of my favorite ideas to ponder concerning the greys and actually makes a lot of sense using real-world applications. Like for example, with our current technology and understanding of physics, it would actually have to, or interstellar travel, would actually have to require like generational ships from planet to planet. That's how long it would take to get from exoplanet to exoplanet with how we understand things at the moment. So this idea of greys being exiled early in their history um, kind of makes sense that they'd evolve into the way that they look. However, concerning the greys, there's a lot of people, researchers, who have pretty much solidified around the idea that these ETs come from Zeta Reticuli 1 and 2, which is a binary star system 38 light years from Earth. These stars are 4 billion years older than our sun and in a state of slow death. Plenty of time to give the greys the millions of years of natural selection that they would be required to have to be in their current state. The main point here, though, is that their stars are dying, and they may be in need of resources or a new way for their people to continue. Another origin I really like attributed to the Zetas is that they are extremely sophisticated self-aware machines, or androids, because they do have biological aspects and were created by another alien civilization that has long since gone extinct. But their creation, the Greys, live on. Being part biological, they are subject to some steady entropy, like any living thing, and the greys require cloning and reassembly when their bodies start to wear out. This version of the greys' origin is from the book The Harvesting of Souls, but similar takes are found elsewhere as well. Nigel Kerner even calls the greys demons in his book, and indeed in many ways they are very similar to them in his narrative at least. And then there are the starseed versions, which also have many different points of view. These EBEs, as they're referred to in the book, the extraterrestrial species Almanac, are also half-artificial, created in the Orion constellation, but originally from Zeta Reticuli II. These Zetas were harvested by reptilians without consent, and basically treated like how they treat humans in abductee accounts. They were corrupted through DNA experiments and genetic alteration in horrific ways after a war that took place over a million years ago. This war concerned all the different Zeta Reticuli, and eventually, the war died down to a mutual ceasefire. However, the factions of Zeta that were conquered and captured were not so lucky. They were so altered, they were incapable of going back to their former existence, and the species became a widespread slave labor force throughout the cosmos. They are basically engineered humanoid automatons with no free will or personal sense of urgency that have been seen by abductees performing tasks in both reptilian and insectoid abduction cases upon their UFOs. They reproduce through cloning and can do little outside of their programming. The factions of Zeta Reticuli that were not conquered though and enslaved still look kind of similar but are sentient and capable of reproduction on their own and not objectively evil. And then there's the whole origin that I've already mentioned where the greys are future humans. Alien contactee Nadira Duran is one of the more well-known people to say that greys are future humans that have come back in time to fix their DNA. But she is just one of many abductees to claim that. 
and a whole bunch of researchers have the same idea too, but it's basically that they are a successor species to modern humans. In some narratives, these greys live inside the Earth itself. Like, think back to the, the Inner Earth episode I made concerning Agartha. And these greys had to relocate there after a catastrophic event made the surface of the Earth uninhabitable. In order to survive, they had to pull from a tighter gene pool, which damaged the species, and also relied on cloning themselves over and over in many cases, especially the leaders of the posthumans. This natural selection process eventually turned humans into the race of the greys. And like the usual narrative, they come back in time for DNA and their genetic engineering to repair themselves. But this reality tunnel is unique in that they also come back for anthropological reasons, with a keen sense of interest in our minds and our cultures on top of horrific abductions and experimentations. In the book, Identified Flying Objects, Dr. Michael P. Masters suggests that we humans in our current form are the intermediate between the small-brained and large-brained evolutionary advances of humanity. And to the humans of the far future, we are analogous to the missing link in a way. We are the versions of humans just before the ascension into humanoids that are far superior in all ways. I like Dr. Masters much more than Nigel Kerner because he's not seemingly consumed in confirmation bias and race obsession. But I also like the researchers Richard Dolan, Craig Campabasso, and Whitley Strieber much more than Nigel. I regret buying his book at full price. And of course, I always love John Keel, but his work would throw all this on its head into an abstract, fractal, cerebral amalgamation of weird. So I'll try and leave him out as best I can. Dr. Masters offers the idea that indications of time travel are already probable in our current world, and the greys could be a form of our distant descendants researching us in our species' own past. This is probably one of the least dark takes, and I personally think that Dr. Michael P. Masters is the smartest out of all the researchers I read. Not just that he's a legitimate scientist, but definitely just, I don't know, you, you should make your own mind up. Definitely check out his book, Identified Flying Objects. I really liked it. Out of all the stuff I read, it's my favorite, and it's worth every penny. One of the questions that Dr. Masters asks is if we could time travel... Wouldn't we go back and research ourselves? I mean, throwing aside all the paradoxes and the possible downsides of messing with time that we see in, you know, like TV shows and movies and whatever, wouldn't, if throwing all that out, wouldn't we go back and explore our evolutionary biology or the development of humans through natural selection over the eons? I mean, all of our speculations would be gone. It would be objective fact. That sounds like some fascinating science to be a part of, and the answer is yes. Of course, we would do that if we could time travel. And then there are those that say the gray aliens are not aliens at all. At least in the way that would most likely be defining the term aliens. This point of view somewhat revolves around the Fermi Paradox, in that a lot of people who subscribe to this narrative don't really think that there is any alien life in our galaxy and humans are the only intelligent species. That doesn't mean that there aren't aliens though, but these entities aren't aliens in the way that we think they are. They just come over from another dimension, 
If you've listened to the shows on the Philadelphia Experiment, you know what I'm talking about. These greys, like many versions, can make themselves invisible, or appear as shadow entities and the like. The dimensional entity's narrative gets too abstract to try and contain in a coherent narrative, because it seems like there are infinite versions, but it very much is straddling the lines of the occult, and shadow entities that feed on human energy and whatnot. Seriously, researching this it gets really weird real quick. I don't suggest it, because you're just going to come across all kinds of weird, crazy stuff. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just there's very little coherency. And anyone and everyone who writes on the topic seems to have a different opinion that often contradicts every other. I feel bad for people who might be easily swayed because it could be pretty easy to fall down to, into some pretty unhealthy reality tunnels. Some researchers state that the Greys have a particular interest in children, which statistically seems to be accurate to a degree, but most of these views kind of rip off the book It, you know, the Stephen King book, somewhat in saying that the, the interdimensional entities feed off fear. And children, of course, give the most tasteful fear because they're easy to manipulate and have the best imaginations. And while this seems like it might be like Hollywood ripping off Hollywood stuff, there's actually a decent amount of this theme in Starseed lore, especially with reptilians and I think the, the Mantis race too. But this also falls in perfectly in line with Shadow People lore as well. I'm intrigued that there's all these similarities between all these different views of high strangeness that share some consistent themes. Their dimensional perspectives include what humans have access to obviously, but on top of that, they supposedly exist in the fourth dimension and fifth dimension. This is something that I've heard in many new age spiritual groups across the board concerning alien stuff, but I don't think those people have ever read Flatland or understand just what higher dimensions really means. If you've seen the Remember in the movie Donnie Darko, your fourth dimensional form is an insanely long, like, twisting energy worm-like being that exists in the past, future, present, all at the same time. Not only that, though, but it branches off into, like, a tree to make up for all the other alternate timelines and probabilities, such as in quantum physics and whatnot. So you're on the, you're this one energy worm in a tree of all these branching energy worms that are all the same thing and existing all at once at the same time, past, present, and future. That's the fourth dimension. Cool, right? <laughs> Probably pretty mind-boggling. But uh, in a way, if you watch the movie Donnie Darko, like when he sees the energy strings in front of people and whatever, that's what that's kind of alluding to. Then there are the people who say the fourth dimension is the astral plane, which if you've read astral plane like... Um, you know, like accounts of people going into the astral plane, if you've ever read any of those. That's not the fourth dimension. Now, the people who claim to have these experiences and they start to say things like they can't open their eyes up or they see everywhere all at once. That's a little bit closer to how the fourth dimension might work, but still at the same time, that's more... Uh, I don't want to get too esoteric, but it's more like a different plane, not a different dimension. If you're in a different dimension, the entire way you view everything changes. And you can only see in the way of the dimension that came before. So for us, for example, we live in the third dimension. Everything we see looks like it's on a 2D painting. 
I mean, it kind of seems 3D, of course, because of shadows. I'm kind of getting lost in the woods. I want to get back on topic. But at the same time, we're three-dimensional beings who mostly perceive things in our minds as 2D. And if you're in a 2D world, if and something 3D comes into your world, it's just going to be a dot. So this whole idea of aliens being interdimensional is far beyond normal human comprehension. Not human comprehension as a whole, though. But you got to kind of know what you're talking about to get it. I think the most logical conclusion with these interdimensional alien ideas is that it is a plane similar to ours and all existence is an onion and it's just a different layer of the onion that they come from. And many ideas surrounding the greys being interdimensional beings turn them basically into straight up demons. And UFOs are more teleportation devices than like uh, interplanetary transportation for aliens. I'd say it's safe to assume that most Christians would just instantly put the greys into the demon category without hesitation. They'd most likely instantly look towards Genesis chapter 6 from the Bible talking about how the Watchers came to Earth and impregnated women to give birth to the Nephilim. Mainstream Christians will instantly link the Watchers and Nephilim to fallen angels corrupting human DNA until they eventually create a perfect host or hosts for their demonic plans to destroy humanity and take over heaven. And of course, they link the chapters of the book of Revelation to the Greys as well. Revelations 16, 12 through 21 says that when the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east, John saw three frog-like evil spirits. And many Christian researchers will say that these three evil frog-like spirits are the greys, or at least the representation. With the increase in UFO and gray alien sightings in the 20th century, this side of the table believes humanity is approaching the end of days initiated by the gray demons. Author Dante Santori is a decently well-known writer who has written on the topic of gray aliens being demons, linking them to the Anuna pantheon of ancient Sumerian mythology, but he also links them to the Igigi Anunnaki, and demons like Lilith and Samael from Hebrew demonology. Also, many ET encounters have contactees stating that the alien smelled like sulfur, which is a smell found in demonology and very folklore as well, pretty much across the board. But this also opens up a plethora of other possibilities, which we might not think of right away, such as what if they are not even material in the way that we think of material beings at all. This turns the greys into an even greater form of quote-unquote the other and thinking about it more abstractly like that could link them to most paranormal activity across the planet, I guess. Folklore in general could be the playground for the greys. And this idea is absolutely going down the John Keel and Jeffrey Kripal rabbit hole. And of course, there's the theory that the greys are just humans and humans are aliens. Many theories revolve around the idea that we ourselves are aliens. Which sounds bizarre, but what it's all about is we originally inhabited the planet Mars or another exoplanet or former exoplanet, I mean, in the beyond distant past when Mars was starting to dry out and become unsustainable to life, which could have occurred naturally or from a great war destroying the planet, depending on who you ask, or I mean where you get the information. Anyway, original humans focused on the survival of the species, and some were sent to Earth or crashed on Earth, 
or the former alien humans genetically altered natives with their own DNA. I really could go on. But essentially, the human species went two different ways with the main group going into space on like a mothership type living city vessel or something that was massive enough to simulate a real world. And then the rest of the race evolved on Earth through natural selection to be suitable to its environment. In this theory, the greys are us that have returned, but went down an entirely different lane of natural selection. And these theories, of course, have the consistent DNA issues theme. And the last lore origins I'm going to go over is going to be my favorite, that the greys are ancients. The narrative of the greys where they are billions of years old. I wish there was more to say actually concerning this version of their origin, but there really isn't much to work with. And even though the researchers who subscribe to this version of the Greys say that they work regularly with humans, they are not open about their past. In fact, this version of the Greys kind of seems like they have difficulty even like communicating with humans. It's like the humans are uh, a goldfish in a bowl trying to understand what's outside of their fishbowl and the gray aliens are humans tapping on the glass looking in the fishbowl. Is a goldfish really capable of understanding what's beyond the glass? Or just that big weird figure brings yummies? Let's move on to some notable encounters concerning the greys. Of course we can't forget the Roswell incident which I'm sure everybody knows about. So let's not beat that dead horse. There's also the plethora of instances brought forth after hypnotic regression sessions that I'll also leave out because they often fall into delusions of grandeur with countless chosen one type people. Though I don't throw hypnotic regression completely into the trash, just that many, the majority even, are just kind of not credible in my opinion. However, there are some notable encounters we're talking about. The interaction of the Greys with President Eisenhower is another famous one. In the deal they made, the Betty and Barney Hill abduction in 1965 is also very famous, although the abduction itself took place in 1961, where the Hills claimed that humanoid aliens with grayish skin had abducted them and taken them into their flying saucer. There's also the Little Green Men of Hopskinville incident in which there was like a whole mob of these gray aliens that were all attacking a farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere at once. Originally, they were said to be little green men with like suits and whatnot, but this was later revealed to be just the people, like the gutter press people making that stuff up for a better story and how the aliens actually, from the people who encountered them, described them more in line with the gray aliens. In 1917, the notorious Aleister Crowley conducted some bizarre rituals that resulted in him engaging with an entity that he named Lamb. He called the rituals the Amalantra workings and claimed that it allowed humans to contact preternatural entities from space and across dimensions. And this Lamb entity that answered his call is basically a great alien. There's even pictures of him if you want to go check it out. Crowley himself conducted his own little illustration of the, the being, and others who have conducted the same rituals claim to have encountered him as well. Lamb has been described as a cold, computer-like intelligence, and utterly beyond human comprehensions, while also appearing just like gray aliens in UFO lore, which is pretty interesting. 
Then there's the supposed encounter that NASA's astronauts had with the Greys during the moon landings. Allegedly, when we went to the moon, this really pissed off the Greys because they have bases there, well, on the, on the dark side, and they kind of use it as a jumping point for interstellar travel. From this narrative, the Greys have been playing many civilizations over the eons, pretending to be gods and, you know, stuff like that, dictating what to do through fear. They slowly hand out technology when it coincides with their own agendas and are the entities that put people in power across the globe to keep us all normal humies in line. I don't really like this narrative though because it's so common across ET lore. Ufologists like the... Oh, don't get me wrong, I'm not like denouncing them. But it's just a common thing to say across the board. And people like Eric Von Daniken, who are pretty famous, also go with this narrative. And considering how many shows I made on the Anunnaki, I'm sure you've heard this many times over. The whole ancient aliens manipulating human stuff. Alright, let's close with what could be the Grey's agenda. A quick summary of most narratives is that we humans are lambs among wolves, but let's go deeper than that. Theorists believe that governments across the world keep the existence of Greys a secret, but the endgame agenda is to reveal themselves to us once we're ready to encounter their insanely advanced civilization and otherworldly superior intelligence. This side says that they're waiting until we're ready for fear of mass panic, destruction, and chaos. While this is a consistent theme concerning alien agendas, it branches off into a cascading litany of different theories. One of the main agendas the Greys allegedly have in many circles is the need for resources. The Greys' suns are dying, and their planets are depleted of resources. So not only do they want our DNA, but they need new home planets and resources to harvest their own tech or who knows what. The DNA thing makes sense, but the resources narrative does not, at least to me. After all, if they are a technologically advanced race capable of interstellar travel from Zeta Reticuli all the way to Earth, there are like a million non-inhabited exoplanets along the way, not to mention billions and billions of asteroids covered in rich minerals and any resources that they could ever need, including gold. If they have the technology to come to Earth, they have the technology to not need any resources from Earth in a material sense. Oh, and if you didn't know, exoplanets are like Earth-like planets that can sustain life. <clears throat> I'm not sure if I explained that. And, you know, also if they wanted to conquer us or take stuff or do whatever with us on Earth, they would have already done it and could do so without humans being able to resist in the slightest. So, no, the resource thing doesn't make sense, but the DNA agenda does. According to Nigel Kerner, the main objective of the Greys is to leave the endless life cycles of cloning behind them and gain the ability to reincarnate like humans. But this idea of theirs is flawed because they only really understand such esoteric ideas in a materialistic sense. So they are not very good at it, at accomplishing their goals in that way. Earth is the perfect spot to do this according to Nigel because our souls are kind of anchored to this area of the universe. and. Experiments can be easier conducted because of it. Supposedly, the planets, the way they're formulated, specifically Saturn, keep our souls in this life cycle of this planetary system. In his book, Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls, he says they are pretty bad at this objective because they don't have any understanding of things beyond the purely physical. 
It's like trying to perform surgery in the dark, but this has never slowed down their research. They continue to abduct us and perform experiments with sperm and ovas to create hybrids, hoping that one day they will eventually be able to ride human souls like a surfboard into a capacity for real birth. <laughs> that's a bad analogy, but that's basically what he says. However, eventually, all of humanity will be these hybrids, which is kind of horrifying because he also states that greys live in a, like a present moment existence and are incapable of forming memories, an attribute the hybrids would be endowed with as well. Dreams, imagination, creativity, art, or even the ability to think outside of anything beyond the physical would be lost forever. And we most likely change into some kind of crazy hedonist society with the idea of morality or ethics completely disregarded. For a book dedicated to the topic of gray aliens, Nigel gets pretty esoteric and draws from established dogma in many ways to come to his views. A lot of it seems kind of just copy and paste with his own opinions thrown on. However, I do like how he says the greys are basically the archons from Gnostic teachings. The book also goes on to state that racism, or basically all the dark side of society, is from the manipulation of DNA that the gray aliens have done to humanity. And he says this is absolutely not racist to actually quote him in the book. But then it's funny because Nigel himself gets racist in the book later, calling an entire race of people vermin. And he honestly seems like a quack. But I did find around half of his stuff in the book worth, worth uh, reading and knowing, I guess. The agenda that he presents is quite horrific, but not unbeatable because he basically says that in the book, you just have to be into meditation, gaining wisdom, you know, and stuff like that to escape the grasp of the greys. His book did leave a bad taste in my mouth. And I don't really like cults or cult-like UFO related stuff. So don't get his book. I do not suggest reading Nigel's work. In Identified Flying Objects, Dr. Master's theory on the agenda is that they are interested in learning from us in all ways. Pretty much in an academic and anthropological manner. But this interest goes beyond just anthropology. It's a scientific examination across all spectrums inside and out. This includes the mind, both conscious and subconscious, as well as culture, technology, art, biology, and you name it. They're just basically interested in studying all aspects of us. And though they are not malevolent, sadly science sometimes demands things we definitely consider evil that the greys apparently have no problem in doing for the greater good. I absolutely suggest buying Dr. Master's book. He's amazing. Richard Dolan gives many examples of what the greys agenda could be in his work, The Alien Agendas and also suggests that different groups have different agendas because of the sheer amount of like mantis aliens seen in UFO abductions along with like the reptilians being thrown in there. In these accounts, the greys seem to be the servants of the mantis, so the agenda could be a mantis agenda and the greys are just following orders. This is interchangeable with the reptilian abductions. So according to, to Richard Dolan, the greys don't even really have their own agenda and are just pawns on the chessboard. As with most UFO lore, it can get frustrating because gray alien agendas change depending on who's talking. You know, it, it could be that the greys are actually demons bringing the apocalypse closer to some, DNA harvesters to others, and android slaves to reptilian overlords to others. However, 
The sign of a free mind is to be able to contemplate ideas without accepting or denying them. And trying to define the ineffable is always going to lead to countless different perspectives based on who's looking. Of course, there's also always the agenda. People say that the Greys will enslave humanity. And to that I say, if they wanted to enslave humanity, then humanity would already be enslaved with little effort on their part and there would be literally nothing we could do to oppose them. That's all for today's episode. Always fun delving into the lore behind ET races from the UFO phenomenon. And it kind of reminded me of uh, like the retro stuff of Cryptic Chronicles. And since this episode was inspired by a listener, as always, tell me what you want to hear and I'll make it. Check out the links for the books I used to research this episode as well as um, any of the authors. Well, most of the authors. Some you should probably stay away from. All links will be in the show notes. I also just used random internet searches to fill in the gaps here and there. But all in all, the greys are a fascinating topic that I hope to come back to time and time again. Shout out to the Armed Trotsky for giving me the idea for this episode. And if you have any ideas, either hit me up through email, Discord channel, or Patreon. Anyway, Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, pretty much all podcast hubs. You look for us, we're there. If you can, listener, please make sure you like, comment, review, and share this content wherever you hear it. The interaction makes the algorithms like the episode and so we'll spread it and help grow the show. By just doing that, you are more than doing your fair share of helping out. Though the show is free to listen to, the cost to produce it is substantial. Any support you can give is very much appreciated. And if you really, really like Cryptic Chronicles and you happen to be awesome, then support the show on Patreon. For just a dollar, you can unlock full uncensored shows with no ads or anything like that and be able to listen to the episodes months before it's available to the public. You will get access to exclusive podcast episodes. And depending on the pledge, other awesome stuff as well, including dedicated podcast episodes to you or even coming on the show as a co-host. Just go to crypticchronicles.com and at the top, click on the Chronicler's Vault. It's a link to Patreon, so you'll be good to go. Thank you so much, dear listener. As always, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Grodius, Sophia Owens, and Scott Wellman. Thanks for supporting Cryptic Chronicles, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the most cryptic and enigmatic influencers in the world once said, 1% control the world, 4% other puppets, 90% are asleep, 5% know and try to wake up the 90%. The 1% use the 4% to prevent the 5% from waking up the 90%.